Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Hello, friends. In season episode number seven, I said I would try to keep that nonsense going, and nonsense going, it continues. I am Dan Bespris. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. Welcome to the show. Tuesday, October the 25th, we have officially completed one full rotation of NBA games, Tuesday to Monday. Not really how we keep track of things, tends to, you know, weeks end on Sunday, but just something here for the beginning of the season. We still have a lot of beginning of the season joy to squeeze out of these games. So, we rumble into it. Yesterday was reverse chronological lightning round. Today, we're just looking back at Monday and anything interesting that's happened. One thing that I do want to do over the course of this year, and you'll you'll hear more of it as we go, is we'll get some more guests on the pod. Not just because it's important to hear other opinions on the show. I you know to a certain degree, it might even be more helpful to only hear one opinion on a podcast. You kind of just like roll with the thing, but because it provides a different look, a different a way to approach material, even if you decide you end up with the same final conclusion. So uh, we're going to talk to Joe Orico, who hosts our, our fantasy baseball pod, but plays all the fantasy sports. He'll be on here from time to time. We're going to get uh, Steve Vitovich, who you've heard on this show a couple of times already. He's our director of content at Sports Ethos. We'll have Brew every week. Uh, also hoping to get a number of those dudes from over at Roto World. They've uh, been extremely easy to reach out to. We'll get them on. At some point, probably after football's done, we'll get a real big three reunion show going. So it, we're just going to keep things fresh. You know, it's not just going to be the same look back at the day before every show. That said, this one is a look back at the day before. So, you know, tough cookies. I am at Dan Vespers on Twitter. I would once again humbly request to all of you to follow me on social media. We do just so many damn things over there that just waiting day to day for the podcast is too slow. And don't follow a whole bunch of crazy stuff on Twitter. You'll lose your mind. Just the bare bones. And if you want, you can follow me and then ask me, who should I follow? And I'll tell you, I'm happy to. It's how you keep yourself from going down that rabbit hole. Also, in addition to looking for DFS experts here at uh, Sports Ethos, because we relaunched the forums this year, where folks can ask each other questions, there's also a premium thread where only the Fantasy Pass subscribers can get in there and ask questions of the pros. A very, very cool thing that we moved from Discord over into the forums. The forums are starting to pick up steam a little bit, and we're looking for uh, some moderators, actually. It's not a paid thing. Uh, it would just be something fun to do. You moderate the forum threads, you answer some questions, you sort of make sure the chatter is fun and friendly and helpful. Uh, but it's a way to be involved. It's a way to sort of do a little bit more with us here at Sports Ethos and, you know, toss you some st- toss you some goodies on the side, whatever that might be, you know, wager pass subscription or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't run this by the the powers that be. But, you know, we'll we'll sweeten the pot somehow. So hit me up on Twitter if you're interested in getting involved in that. It's at Dan Bespers again, or email roster at sportsethos.com. We'll get you situated post-haste. Monday, Indy lost in Philadelphia. Sixers finally got their first win of the year against a team that's trying to lose ball games, and that's all well and good. James Harden is the number one player in fantasy sports right now. 
And I would say it's not close, but it actually is kind of close because Luca is number two, interestingly. He's shooting 95% at the free throw line, which eh, may be unsustainable. And, you know, two and a half defensive stats for Luca, also probably not quite sustainable. That said, he's off to a great start, as is Harden. Jason Tatum's number three. Steph Curry, number four. Andrew Wiggins, number five. One of these things is not like... Ja, number six. By the way, shout out to Brew. He had Ja ridiculously high this year. Freddie Van Vliet, number seven. John Collins is number eight. He's been awesome. Donovan Mitchell, number nine, with no Darius Garland around. DeJounte Murray, number 10. Anthony Davis, 11. And Giannis Antetokounmpo is number 12. Giannis still has only played two ball games. Same deal with Luka. Just easing into the year a little bit. Nikola Jokic, number 16 so far this year. But some of this is small sample size theater because Jokic is still averaging 20, 10, and 9.5 and with a steal on 64% shooting from the field. He just hasn't taken that many shots yet. He's actually been better at the free throw line this year. Things are going to level off. This is what's important to bear in mind. If Jokic just keeps doing the same thing he's doing, he'll just move up into the top five or three as the season trucks along because you look at some of these other things, you're like, okay, well, that's not going to stick. Like, Lucas free throws, Lucas steals, Lucas blocks, Tatum's field goal percent. There's some very obvious stuff. Harden's field goal percent also. Wiggins, like, all the everything. Ja, 35 points per game at 55% shooting. You know, that's not going to stick. He's He's been awesome, by the way. I don't want to take anything away from any of these guys. Freddie Van Vliet, three steals a game. Nope. John Collins... 3.4 defensive stats, and he hasn't missed a free throw yet. So it's very easy to look at these things and say, okay, well, what's sustainable? Like DeJounte Murray, who's going to be great this year, but 3.3 steals? Nope. Interestingly, of all of these guys, it feels like Giannis, AD, Steph, and Harden are probably the ones where you're like, okay, those guys could probably pretty much stick where they are. And then you look into the second round, and someone like Dame has been awesome, but he's just being pushed out. So there's like seven, eight guys in that first round. That'll probably peel off in the next two weeks. Magic of small sample size. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about everything else going on in that Indy Philly game. First thing is, don't start a center against Joel Embiid. Unfortunately, I wasn't home when the starting lineups were announced for this ball game, uh, so I didn't have a chance to yank Isaiah Jackson out of my lineup. But, I mean, obviously that was going to be a disaster. Five fouls in 17 minutes, and he just got trucked by an Embiid, by the way, who has not actually been all that amazing this year either. And he'll move his way into that first round at some point. Tobias Harris was a little bit better, and he's quietly been efficient enough that he's posted top 40 numbers so far this year. Um, but again... Sample size, 2.1 defensive stats. That's not going to stick. There's so much stuff right now that you can just kind of write off. The, the rankings mean very little other than, like, how you feel in your tummy. Uh, the indie side is certainly the more interesting of them. Uh, I guess we could talk about Tyrese Maxey, who had a slow ball game. I think I might have been... The only analyst who was kind of fading Maxi's improvement this year, I thought he would stay about the same, and you know, so far he's actually petered out a little bit. He's he's a buy low right now, um, but you know, he was drafted in the like early fifties, and I think that's really more of a best case scenario based on how many other options they have on that team. Most notably, Harden and Embiid. They're just I know that Maxi was really good down the stretch last year, but that was Fat Harden. 
He's doing more now. We had to assume that he was going to pull from the other guys. And Harris looks better, and then Maxi looks a little bit worse. So if you want to buy low on Maxi, you know, try like a 90 range guy. It's probably not going to get it done, but it's worth a shot. And maybe he stinks for another week or two, and then maybe it works. On the other side, Jalen Smith has been awesome. Uh, after a weird couple of games where Rick Carlisle was kind of yanking rotations around, and then he got hurt. Uh, but he's been really good his last couple. He appears to be fairly well locked in. His numbers are going to be kind of kooky because he had that game where he only played seven minutes. But if you remove that game, he's actually top 100 even with that game in it. If you remove that ball game, he's more like a top 50, top 60 type, which I think probably settles back a little bit towards 75. Regardless, good to go. Buddy Heald, pretty safe play. I know he hasn't been great so far this year. Obviously Halliburton as well. And then Isaiah Jackson, provided he's the starting center, you start him when he's not playing Embiid. Easy enough. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Toronto beat Miami. You know, I it, not that it matters all that much, but we all remember what the teams that are winning or losing a lot are doing. We It's easy to forget what the teams that are kind of in the middle are doing right now. Raptors and Bulls uh, are each... I don't know why I said Bulls. Raptors and Heat are off to kind of whatever starts. Raptors are 2-2. Two and two. Heat are 1-3 and three so far this year. Uh, Freddie Van Fleet was very good again. Siakam's been awesome so far this year and played 42 minutes in this ballgame. He's averaging 38 on the year already. Van Fleet, 39. Oh, no. The little injury is coming. Siakam, by the way, ranked number 35 in 38 minutes a game. He's been really good, but the free throws have been quite bad for Siakam until this one. Precious Achua, 10 points, 22 rebounds. That's the guy you probably wanted me to talk about on this show. Uh, No, I'm not going to deal with it. First of all, he's only doing anything because Scotty Barnes is out. We kind of talked about this a little bit on Twitter. Uh, Achua's all rebounds. He doesn't get defensive stats from the center position, which is extremely unfortunate, and his percentages are terrible, both of them, field goal and free throw. He is not a trustworthy replacement unless you're just hunting rebounds. And even then, Chris Boucher... Christian Coloco and OG Ananobi each had five fouls in this game. The rest of the team had seven combined. Those three guys had 15. Boucher only got 12 minutes. Some of that was foul trouble. Some of it's just because he was coming back. But we all we know from last year that when one player is out on the Raptors, that's when Boucher can cut in. And he was great, actually, in his 12 minutes. His usage was high. It was like old-fashioned Boucher. He was just out there hucking away, and he made four out of his five shots. It was beautiful. 
I don't know how long it's going to take for him to get his legs under him. Probably too long when you consider Barnes probably won't be out all that for that, you know, much of an extended stretch. So I don't trust Achua. I'd rather go Boucher, but he's not quite ready to go. So when you look at it from that perspective, you just say, meh, and leave it alone. Uh, someone on Twitter was asking me what to do about OG and Anobi, and the answer is just chill. Like, he's shooting 38.5% from the field, and yet somehow he's still inside the top 75. So you figure when that number comes around to low to mid-40s even, he bunces back up towards the 50 to 60-some-odd range, and he'll be fine because the Raptors play their starters excruciatingly high number of minutes, and uh, he's with them too, provided he's not in foul trouble, which he was. Jimmy Butler is somehow, believe it or not, a buy low. He's averaging 23, 7, and 4 on the year, and he's a buy low for one reason, one reason alone. He's averaging a half a steal a game. He has two steals in four ball games. This is a guy that last year would have been closer to eight steals in those four ball games, and that's it. That's basically the difference. Year over year, his assists are a little lower than last year. Rebounds, I think, are a tiny bit higher. I mean, that type of stuff levels off. Everything else is almost the same. So you just crank him from sub-league average in steals to the best steals guy in the NBA, and he goes to being a, a guy who's valued near the turn. I don't know what it would take to get Jimmy Butler. There's a lot of fear around his health, and there should be. Miami getting off to a bad start is actually really good for Butler playing in additional ball games. We need them to lose a few so that they kind of have to have him in there to win a few. But, like, everything else is fine. Just steals. One of these games coming up, he's going to have a six-steal ball game, and he's going to jump from 40-something to, like, 15. That's the magic of early season stuff. Like... We were talking about Lowry Markinen on Twitter being a first-rounder going into yesterday's game. He had one bad shooting game, and he dropped from number 7 to number 38. Which, by the way, still good, but that's how far you can move. And it wasn't like he was... Well, I, did, I guess he missed all of his free throws. That one hurt maybe even more than the other stuff. It's just like one good game, one bad game right now is everything. Kyle Lowry had a bad game had two good games, and then had another bad game, and so he's ranked at 130, shooting 28% from the field. I saw someone say they were panicking about Kyle Lowry right now. I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, I, I know he's not a good shooter, but if you just, literally just adjust, that's a bad sequence of, of words that I threw all together for you right there. If you simply adjust for field goal percent, That'll take care of getting him back into fantasy startable. The assists are a tiny bit lower than we'd like at only four and a half. Last year he was at seven and a half. I think those probably do trend up a little. Remember he had four in the first game, then he went six, six back to back, and then the Heat just couldn't shoot to save their lives yesterday. So it dropped back down to two. He's probably going to work his way back up into the six range. And then everything else you look at with him is pretty much in parallel with last year. The turnovers are lower. Steals are a tiny bit higher, but he's a career 42 and change percent shooter. Last year he was at 44, year before he was at 44. If you adjust him from 28 to 44, he pretty much becomes last year's Kyle Lowry with slightly better free throw numbers and slightly worse assists. What are we panicking about? Dude's shooting 28%. We really think that's just going to last all year? No. Maybe it comes down from 44 to 42, but not 28. So 
let's like let's keep the panic in our pants a little bit longer here. Meanwhile, Tyler Hero, 15 rebounds? I didn't see that one coming. He's number 34 on the season so far. That's another thing that's going to come down. He's not going to average nine rebounds a game. I do think Tyler Hero was a really safe pick this year in that like 80 to 95 range because that's kind of where he was last season and the, the expectation was that he was going to do more this year. Um, no, 50 to 70 range is very reasonable for him. Maybe it's a sell high? Eh, probably not. He probably hasn't done enough to earn it. Max Struess got the start for uh, Caleb Martin, but he'll be back in the next ball game. I still think Martin's going to end up being a fantasy value this year. I don't know when it's going to click. Miami as a team just kind of stinks right now. Their defense isn't very good. Their offense isn't very good. This game looked like two teams that were straight drunk playing each other. First to 95 wins. Anyway, uh, Knicks beat the Magic 115-102. How have the Knicks done so far this year? They're 2-1. That's okay. Can't keep track of that thing. Once it, like the playoffs, you can get it, and when you're at the very end of the season, you're looking at that stuff. Early in the season, it's hard to remember who's kind of in the middle. There are a few things to note in this ballgame. First thing to note, Mitchell Robinson was good for New York, so he played the Lions' share of the center minutes. And we, honestly, it's funny for me to say this as someone who has a bunch of Isaiah Hartensteins on fantasy teams, but I was actually looking for this data point. I wanted to know what the worst case scenario would be for a backup center and it seems like Hardenstein is going to get 18 minutes per game if everything goes right for Mitchell Robinson and everything is just sort of fine for Hardenstein and he was still okay seven points nine boards a steal uh the miss the shooting could have been a tiny bit better for him you know you figure in 18 minutes he might sort of bungle his way into one block or one or two assists. So, it, you know, like, overall, it wasn't a great ball game. But he has the power to just sort of not hurt you. He's an across-the-board producer, and so I would say stick with it. It's not going to be a blow-the-roof-off-the-building kind of performance, however. He's sitting just outside the top 100 in 26 and change minutes per game. And again, a lot of that is small sample size stuff because 10 points, 9 boards, a steal, and a little under a block would normally get you inside the top 100. They're just like... Some guys in there that won't be there in a little bit. Uh, but with Hardenstein, like, this is what is the back and forth. You're going to be dealing with this. He's a backup. It's why he's not one of the first late guys I was pouncing on. He's one of the later late guys. We talked about it last year. Usage, opportunity. You want to draft guys that you know have guaranteed minutes before you move to the other ones. But then, once you move to the other ones, you're looking for guys that have that sort of infinite stat set. Anything happens to Mitchell Robinson here, Hardenstein goes on a serious blitz, and then he's good enough even when he's in that backup role. I feel like Jalen Brunson's uh, been kind of quiet so far this year, but I haven't looked up his rank. Uh, 65, all right, so like a little bit behind where he was drafted, but by all accounts, pretty much what people were expecting. Julius Randle's been a little better than expected. Perhaps having someone else on his team that uh, is efficient has been useful. And then otherwise, no news on the Knicks. Orlando, there's always news with Orlando. First of all, with every passing game, we get further confirmation confirmation that you can drop Mo Bamba. He's not part of the plan so far this year. Additionally, Terrence Ross, the slowdown, as we kind of expected. But he still played 33 minutes, so head-to-head uh, -head side, he's very much a guy you can play. He's like just a cut above streamer level at the moment. 
you know, it's not something that's going to last all year. Bear in mind that Terrence Ross, top 75 fantasy player, is not going to stick once Markel Fultz and Jalen Suggs are back in the mix. But for now, it will. And Bull Bull had 19 points in 20 minutes last night. And you want to talk about the magic of small sample size. Bull Bull is number 71 in 9-cat on the year. On the strength... uh. Of 11 blocks in four ball games over the span of 64 minutes. <laughs> this is a guy who really can't keep up with the normal NBA pace. So people are like, what if he gets more minutes? Yeah, he's not gonna. Like, that's just not a dude that can play against starters in the NBA. So he can get in there and he can get, you know, six, seven minutes per half against reserves. And you can hope that he gets three to four blocks in those games because he's probably not going to do a whole lot else. But, like, if you want to talk about someone who's very obviously going to fall off, that's the guy who's very obviously going to fall off. If, however, say the Magic are playing on a Sunday or have, like, a Saturday-Sunday back-to-back some week, and you're fighting for blocks, it makes a ton of sense in that pinhole scenario. One other thing to keep an eye on are, like, rookies, really, at this point, petering out a little bit. A couple of them got off to very quick starts. Paolo Banquero... He's averaging 2.3 combined defensive stats per ball game. I don't think that he's going to average a block and a half a game. Uh, I also don't think that the percentages, uh, particularly free throws right now, he's a positive. Nine free throws a game at 81%. That's probably not going to hold. And you're going to see a little bit of exhaustion. He's playing 34 minutes a game already. He was in like the 50s or 60s, and then this one ball game, which was still decent, but you start to see those outlines of when a guy starts to tucker just a little bit. He dropped down to number 74. I think right now is an opportunity. If you wanted to sell rookies after the first few big ball games would be the time to do it. If you want to buy them, it's after they're in one of those rookie slumps. Because they're going to happen. I don't know when. I'm not a soothsayer. But I know they're going to happen at some point. It always does. It's like 100% of the time. People were asking me why I was not big on the Franz Wagner thing, and it's because I figured Paolo was going to take all of his stuff. That was fairly straightforward. It just felt like there was going to be a logjam. And again, they're missing two ball handlers right now. It's just going to get worse. That team's a mess, fantasy-wise. Utah finally lost the game. Larry Markinen cooled off. He'll be fine. Uh, Colin Sexton, 16 minutes. But he did play a back-to-back, which I think is saying something. We haven't gotten a ton of reports out of Utah as to exactly what his plan is on the ramp-up for Sexton, but I think we can guess now that he's gonna—he's playing about 20 minutes in non-back-to-backs, and he's playing about 16 in back-to-backs. My guess is that now we're into week two of his recovery, and after Utah has a day or two off, you might see his minutes trend up towards 22 to 24, and it probably stick there for about a week, and then they probably move up to like the 24 to 26 range, and at some point... He's going to be getting in the high 20s, maybe more, at the expense of, hard to say, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, possibly uh, Malik Beasley or THT might lose out on a couple of minutes there. In any event, this is a wonderful opportunity to buy low on Colin Sexton. In fact, the fact that he didn't rest on the back-to-back might have been the best news in this game, even though his line wasn't very good. And he's been, frankly, a disappointment so far because there wasn't a huge indication given of how tightly they were going to monitor his minutes 
In other news, Kelly Olynyk, another good ball game. Jordan Clarkson, another good ball game. Jared Vanderbilt, another good ball game. Mike Conley, not as great, but five defensive stats. That'll work. That'll play. Dolphin sorts. No, I'm not interested in THT or Malik Beasley. I know they were slightly better in this one, but I don't care. Uh, Houston's really just screwing with lineups at this point. KJ Martin got slotted in, and they shifted... I don't even know who technically played center. Jabari Smith, I guess, was the center, or Martin was the center. They went full small ball, and I guess it worked, although Martin shot terribly. Three points, four boards, three assists. A steal block and a three-pointer, though, which is interesting, because if he even makes three out of his nine shots, four out of his nine shots, we're probably talking about a really good ball game. Uh, the Yahoo blurb on Martin was like, ah, leave it alone. And yeah, in the... In that very micro sense, that's true. You're not adding him from this one ball game because we kind of need to see what happens when Alperen Sengun is back, what happens when Bruno Fernando is back. It seems like he probably gets pushed out, but on the off chance that he slides in and this starting lineup sticks somehow, which I guess you could use against a team that doesn't have a, a bullying center, then he probably does become an ad. But not yet. You can watch list him for now. Jabari Smith looks really good so far. I was kind of surprised at how late he was going in drafts up until, like, the very last week because he profiled as probably the rookie with the best path on a Houston team that's just running and gunning, basically. Kevin Porter's been hitting his free throws so far. Remember during the preseason, everybody, I, I thought I was going to surprise you all by saying I was actually kind of bullish on Kevin Porter Jr. because he finished last year with a top 40 run? Well, he's kept it going. Uh, before we turn the clock back to Saturday, I want to remind you guys that this podcast is brought to you by our buddies over at Thrive Fantasy, the Thrive Fantasy app and the ThreadThriveFantasy.com. They are a very exciting partner to have because, number one, it's technically a DFS website, but it's prop bets. They give you 20 props to choose from. You pick your 10 favorites, over or under. They're all over-unders on individual players. And if you and you collect points based basically on how likely a particular prop is to hit. So you could try to pick 10 easy ones and get them all to hit, or you could try to go the hard route, rack up points a little faster when they hit, but you know, a lower likelihood that they come through. So that's the strategy of it, which is a little bit more like sports betting than DFS. You, you pile them all together, and if you get, not the most, but in the upper echelon of points, that's how you win your tournaments. That's how you win money. And right now, for a limited time, if you use promo code ETHOS when you sign up, or sign up over at ThriveFantasy.com, you get a deposit match bonus up to 250 freaking dollars, which is the biggest deposit match promo that Thrive ever runs. They've offered it to just us here at Sports Ethos as part of a partnership. ThriveFantasy.com, prop up with promo code ETHOS and check the podcast description for the link to go do it that way. We've got a, a special hyperlink you can use. URL hyperlink. Boy, that sounds exciting and new and technologically innovative. Uh, you can go to the website using the link that we provide. Then you don't even have to worry about the promo code, but that's how you'll get that deposit match bonus. Uh, tell Scott over there. We said, hey, Thrive. Super cool, man. I, I Like I've said before, I actually kind of hate DFS. Uh, I don't at all hate prop bets. And... Our DFS team, DFS Today, the podcast, those guys are giving you Thrive bets to play on a daily basis. They're just helping you build your card. So, yeah, pretty easy decision. 
Moving along, the San Antonio Spurs failing at tanking before our very eyes. Our guy Keldon Johnson clanged his way through the free throw line in this one. And uh, I've said before, you can always tell my mood based on how Keldon's done on a given night. And so my mood yesterday was not as great. 18-3-4 um, with a couple of steals is still fine. But come on, man, you can't go 1-4 at the foul line. I'm counting on you to hit like 75%. So if you don't get there... Well, you blow up everything. He's at 60% right now, and he's number 87 in 9-cat. My assumption here is that that 60 trends up towards 75, and he slides back towards the edge of the top 40-50 range. But uh, obviously, we'll see. Small sample size stuff. Uh, Otherwise, everything was pretty much what you'd expect on, frankly, both sides of this game. Although, I suppose it's worth pointing out that Anthony Edwards has actually been maybe the biggest underperformer in fantasy so far this year. And it's... And it's in like four categories, five even, where he's just been awful. Now, the short response to that is, oh no. But the long response is, dude's still averaging 20 points, almost nine boards, three and a half assists, two three-pointers a game. All that sounds very good. But he's not getting any steals or blocks. His field goal percent has not moved in the right direction. And his free throw percent is just a complete disaster right now. He's also turning the ball over four times per game. You might, might, emphasis on might, and the answer, and I mean, probably not is the reality of it, but you might find an Anthony Edwards drafter who's looking at it like, what have I done? Now, the field goal percent might not move because he was at 44 last year. I think the hope was that he might trend up a little bit, but right now, basically, the jump shot is not falling. The other stuff is fine. Uh, so you figure the 43 will probably come up a little. Free throw percent, he was at 78 his rookie year, 79 last season. So this will probably get into the mid to high 70s. At some point, it's not there yet. Rebounds are going to come down. He's not going to average eight and a half boards a game, not with Gobert and Towns on that team. But this was a dude who in starters minutes last year was at 2.1 combined defensive stats. One and a half steals, 0.6 blocks. Right now, he's at a a 20% clip of that on steals and half in blocks. Those will come back. Free throw percent will come back. Rebounds will come down. Hopefully, turnovers will come down. Field goal percent might come up. I wasn't in the camp that suggested drafting Edwards inside. Remember, he was going inside the top 20 in a lot of drafts. A lot of folks took him in the second round. So it's going to take a lot to pry him from those teams. You're not going to be able to like throw a top 90 guy. But if you think he gets like around where he got last year, which... like. By all accounts, he probably should because he just continues to do a little bit more and a little bit more. Last year, he was number 44 on a per-game basis. And that's fine. You know? Like, maybe he was going to move a tiny bit forward. But look at your roster and see if you have a fourth-rounder who doesn't have a crap ton of upside but is playing relatively well. And maybe that's the guy you could use to go try to get Anthony Edwards. I don't think it's going to work. Preface again, I don't think it's going to work, but you never know. Over on that Boston side, they just really couldn't get it going. Shot 37% as a team. Big Al, signs of life. Eight points, five boards, couple of assists, and finally his first defensive stat of the year. Good grief. That's another thing that's going to come around. Big Al is a buy low right now. Marcus Smart, four defensive stats. So that's, again, signs of life. Jason Tatum, still good, but not quite the same. And then... Uh, With Jalen Brown, you saw the field goal percent and the free throw percent come down a little bit there as well. 
He's still ranked extremely high. But, uh, you know, it's a, it's another example of what one game can do. Jalen Brown was in the top 15. After one, like, kind of slow game, he fell to number 30. And he's going to fall probably into the 40s or 50s. That's just where he ends up. Mean reversion. It's a magical thing. Chicago side, Io. Good ball game, Io. 9 for 10 from the field. Obviously, that's not going to happen every ball game. But, like, this... He, as a player, is such a wonderful example of why we say don't overreact to one ball game. Because Zach Levine came back, and Io was terrible in that one. Can't sugarcoat it. But Levine was in this one, and Io was much better. And again, I saw a lot of folks that were like, I got to drop Io after one bad game. Like, no, come on, what are you doing? You got to give it a little bit longer than that. One game, you get, like, you need data. You need a sample. And this is a kid who's good. Anyway, keep hanging on. Otherwise, nothing on that Chicago side. Now that, uh, I mean, this is the lineup now with Levine in there. So we've, we've pretty much got what we need on that one. Here's what I want you guys to do. I get it. Maybe you're not ready to make that big investment in a lawnmower 4.0. Maybe you don't need a massive sideburn trimmer. It's not massive. It's just like the idea of it is massive. Start with something smaller. Okay? Do that for me. Move to something smaller, like, say, uh, I don't know, the three-blade razor, which is fantastic. I use that as well. The three-blade razor, which I think they call the shaver, is only 20 bucks. It comes with four replacement blades as well, so it's going to last you... I don't know how often you guys go through blades. If you're shaving your face every single day, then you probably go through blades a little bit faster. But for many folks, you know, every day, every other day, every whatever, like week, <laughs> this, the work at home era, uh, four blades might last you like a quarter to a, th- to a half a year. That's 20 bucks right now. And then if you use our coupon code, ethos20, you could take another 20% off of that and drop it down to 16 plus Free shipping on your order. It has big lubrication strips on the top and the bottom of it. That's one of the reasons that I really like it, because it really, really, really does a nice job of priming my face. I have a very sensitive neck, sensitive skin. So if you actually want a tight shave and you have sensitive skin, this is a fantastic three-blade razor to use. And again, 16 bucks after you use the coupon. Or... As, again, I pointed out, I think, on Friday's show, my wife was like, you gotta tell people that I also use uh, the luxury nail kit. Anyway, go find them. Use them. Ethos20, the promo code, 20% off free shipping on all your goodies at manscaped.com. Oh, in Memphis, Brooklyn, this was a fun one. Not overtime. 258 points without it. Kyrie went huge. KD went huge. Bane woke up, so that buy low window is donezo. Ja was huge again. He's on a ridiculous clip so far. It'll slow. I mean, if you can trade Ja for a first-rounder right now, I think you'd do it. He probably is going to be a little better than last year. I still thought he went maybe a hair too early in drafts this season, but so far, obviously not. Uh, the more important stuff, because all uh, you know those, those guys are rostered everywhere, and then the Bane thing, you knew the buy-low window wasn't going to last forever. The other... 
notables. Uh, Brandon Clark, you can move on until he secures any additional minutes. Right now, it doesn't look like he's going to, but if he does, you can kind of repounce on that. That's okay. Is what it is. Ninth rounder doesn't pan out. Move on. Uh, Nick Claxton, however, very much a, a solid play. And then even more so, the Royce O'Neal thing is uh, really interesting. First of all, Ben Simmons fouled out of this ballgame, and he continues to be a complete disaster. Anybody that would listen, you guys know. You probably did it, too. You were yelling at people, don't do it. Don't draft him. Joe Harris up to 23 minutes in this game, and he actually looked really good. Royce O'Neal, 35 minutes, and he looked really good. Didn't shoot the ball all that well, but such a great across-the-board set of numbers. I think you continue to hold on to Royce O'Neal. With Joe Harris, there's not going to be a sprint to the waiver wire for someone that pretty much only hits three-pointers when things are kind of rocking and a-rolling. And then Seth Curry is also waiting in the wings, who pretty much does the same thing as Harris. Fewer rebounds, that is. Maybe more steals. So regardless, those two guys are probably going to be fighting for minutes. Uh, it seems like Royce O'Neal is pretty well locked in because he's one of the only dudes on the team that can play defense. KD can play a little defense. Claxton can play a little defense. It's just not enough. They can't stop anybody. So hold on Royce O'Neal. This is... I don't know why I need to tell you that. This is another pretty good ball game, and he's like number 40 on the year so far. Uh, and then Portland blew out Denver. Denver is... Denver's weird so far. Uh, you know, considering how much crap the Lakers are getting, I'm, it's, I, I realize it's just because they're the Lakers, but the Nuggets at 2-2 two and two to me is actually almost as disappointing because they should be really, really good. And this is Portland on a back-to-back like this at least should have been a competitive ball game but the Blazers shot 58% Denver's not guarding anybody Jokic 9-9 and 9 seems a little bit passive he was in foul trouble so that hurt also Michael Porter Jr looks pretty good actually so far for the Nuggets he's number 47 on the year much faster start than I expected Jamal Murray got off to a quick start in this game and then completely fell apart he doesn't have his legs underneath him yet it's going to be a process, and this is what we talked about. If you were drafting Jamal Murray, you had to assume he was going to be like near the top 100 for a month, and we're only a week in. We're not anywhere near a month. Let's check in on November 18th and see what kind of per-game numbers Jamal's putting up that coming week. He's a great buy low because whoever drafted him was like, oh, come on, like he's not playing enough minutes. He doesn't look like himself. He got some more minutes yesterday, but he still doesn't look very good. Missed his free throws, missed his shots. Yeah. Dude hadn't played in a year and a half. It takes time. See colon Kawhi Leonard. See colon Colin Sexton. It's not magic. They're not just going to drop back in and play 35 minutes a game. Uh, Aaron Gordon finally had a better ball game after you know, that first good one, and then he had two clunky ones. Bones is a little better too, but just not enough minutes there. And then KCP is kind of the name that we've been watching. And, I mean, this is, this is the thing. He, he probably settles into that like very good streamer zone but maybe he hovers just above it because they like what he does again he defense three pointers that's exactly the kind of player they need around some of these other studs on that denver team so i'm gonna stick with kcp i've actually i've got him on a couple of teams i'm not starting him in a games cap right now but he's he's not far off and he's gonna be that kind of guy that sort of fills out the end of your fantasy bench and then with portland anthony simons finally had his first good ball game of the year you knew one was going to come eventually, and it pushed him up to top 120. Uh, and this, you know, between 90 and 120 might be where he settles on the year. 
big three-point shooting game and then off three-point shooting game, and it'll it'll balance out. Dame's been great. Nurk has been okay. Jeremy Grant's been fine but unspectacular, another guy that kind of dodged. Because remember his, his gig, he was good in Denver when he didn't have to shoot very much, but he could go rebound and get steals and blocks. And then he became a scorer, and I just... I didn't know it would translate there. Josh Hart did also finally slow down a little bit, but he had 11 rebounds, and he still looks like maybe the best value of any draft pick on that team. He's number 79 in 9-cat right now. And uh, that's your Monday recap. Ended up going... This is what always happens with me. I go a little bit longer. <laughs> what do you think is going to happen? What, one thing I will say here towards the end of the show, uh, and we're, we'll do the look ahead on Twitter if you guys want to know what questions I'm looking for on a kind of a shorter, quieter Tuesday. A couple of fun games tonight, though. Uh, we'll do that on social media, at Dan Vespers. One thing I, I do want to put out there again is, if you guys have questions for me, put them in the forums. That's what's happening now. The forums are kicking. We're bringing them back this year. We had like two seasons where they weren't really happening, but they're alive, man. So if you have questions in between, I can't, like, I want you guys to follow me on Twitter because that's where I can try to get news to you. Twitter's become more of a unidirectional thing because I can't follow all the replies. This is not meant to sound like a dick thing, but like at a certain point, you get so many in a given couple of hours that if you walk away from your computer, you're just never going to figure out what came where. So then I'll look to like see which things I sent that I'm expecting replies on, recruiting tweets, things like that. The other stuff, I just, I can't. I can't follow it anymore. I'm sorry. It's not on purpose. But it coincides nicely because if you put it in our forums over at Sports Ethos, it's all cataloged on a page listed. I can see it. I'm going to get to the premium questions first and then I'm going to look at the other ones and we're bringing in some mods and we're bringing in some other pros and we're bringing in all of you guys, and if you're all, we're all helping each other, the forums are going to be amazing. So please do help me with that. Hey, throw a five-star review on the pod if you feel so inclined. I would uh, be most appreciative. I am at Dan Vespers on Twitter. Again, you can reach out if you don't have social roster at sportsethos.com. Enjoy your Tuesday, everybody. This is Fantasy NBA Day in the books. Hasta mañana.